1: Welcome back to another episode of Ask Men Anything. It's me, Emma Wilman. Thank you so much for being here. Today, my guest is actor Chike Okonkwo. You can see him on NBC's La Brea, And the series finale is actually airing February 13th, which is the day this episode comes out. I was very excited to interview him to the point where, okay, I'm going to tell you this. So I was listening to like every interview of him I could find. And I almost felt like I over-researched him going into it. You know when you're excited to meet someone or maybe do a date and you look at all of their social media stuff. And then you're with them and they're like, oh, yeah, my morning was. And you're like, oh, wait, I know your morning. You ate a bagel with a little bit of cream cheese. And they're like, how'd you know that? So I was trying not to do that because I had had researched him a whole bunch. What a calming presence this man has we have a great conversation talking about his father the power of presence what it's like discovering gender in the theater community also how to use your privilege for good how to help others and the best way that you can and to inform yourself with the different dynamics of world politics we also talk about going on a first date on valentine's day yay or nay and at one point I get a little flustered and I end up oversharing about a sexual routine with my girlfriend now that I've sold the episode. Here it is. Thank you for being on the show.
2: Thank you for having me. It's been great to be here.
1: I was listening to an interview with you and I listened to a few of them as many as i could find actually because once i started listening your voice is very soothing which is well documented <laughs> as yeah
2: it is people say that a lot now <laughs>
1: very soothing and also to the point where it is part of the calm app so you are reading stories for people to get them to go to sleep
2: that's right so if you <laughs> nod off during the no, interview no. i won't i won't blame you too hard
1: what was the audition process for the calm app like
2: <laughs> there actually wasn't one i guess i must just just latently have a very soporific mm. voice. I don't know why. Uh, but no, they they just approached me. Funny enough, I did my first story for them February 2020. And then oh, wow. the world shut down and right. everyone was using the app. So
1: great timing. It, it was
2: very good timing for me. Yeah,
1: that's great. Because everyone needed to calm the fuck down. They, they
2: definitely did.
1: And then you're in their ears. Yeah. What about when you get mad? Does it like... Do, like do you think during, it has,
2: during the reading of the story? <laughs>
1: that would probably really <laughs> fuck someone up. They're falling asleep, and then you like and throw a, car- a curveball in there. <laughs> what happens? Because like I would imagine when you do get mad and change your voice, it has even more gravitas because people are used to it sounding calm.
2: That's a good question. I I um I tend not to get too mad these days. How? Um, just, inner peace? just inner peace. In a piece, maybe. That's no. beautiful. I think I tend to stay pretty pretty calm.
1: There was a real thread in your like it was such an like authentic commitment to telling stories and being attracted to storytelling that inspired me where I was like, Oh, maybe see presenting stories in a different as like almost like sometimes I think doing comedy and just being around New York, I almost, I forget how powerful storytelling can be. Mm. Like I'll think of little chunks of stories, not the whole story, but you talking about like your attraction to storytelling made me be like, I want to start telling more stories about little slices of life like, I grew up in Bumfuck, Maine, and there's this whole lobstering community. Uh-huh. And while I was listening to you, it inspired me to want to start putting stories out there about the lobstering well, community. that's
2: already fascinating. Right? Like I want to know everything I about that story. I appreciate that, yeah. I really I, do.
1: They had a whole... There was this lobstering community where they had this... It was called the Head Harbor Mafia. Uh-huh. And it was like a little lobsterman mafia. Mm-hmm. And listening to you talk about your love of stories like inspired that in me.
2: Oh, that's so amazing. I Honestly, it's been my whole life, since I was a kid. Mm. I think there are some kids who you know, go along and do you know, good kids, do what they're told and other kids who are a bit more energetic and frenetic. I think I was probably in the latter. and But the stories were always things that I just, that caught me from mm. a really early age. I was six years old when my mum took me and my, young, my older sister to the theatre for the first time. And then from that moment on, it's really just, it's captivated me. And I think being able to hold on to whatever it was that got me as a kid has really helped me in my career and, mm. and, and helped me as an adult as well. I feel like I'm still that kid who's mesmerized by stories so i genuinely in any format would love to hear about the lobster community in in maine
1: (laughs) it's rugged (laughs) i feel like with being able to hold on to like your like attraction to stories or any kind of wonderlust you have as a kid because Mm. life gets in the way it does and so that's such a being able to be like i'm gonna have that that the purity of something because six is like your little baby yeah do you remember what the play was
2: i i do so it was a, a there was a famous cartoon in the uk at the time called super ted Mm. um about a teddy bear who was a superhero yes um and they made like a christmas show about super ted um and i think i don't remember i should probably look back on this now actually but he had a friend or maybe it was the, the antagonist the bad guy was a skeleton um anyway at the end of the play um they came down into the audience and picked like four or five kids to go oh, up on stage shit. and i think about this so often i was one of the f- the four or five kids. My Were you raising sister, your hand? I wasn't. They just I, came to you? They just came and grabbed me. Um, and my, Show older biz, sister, baby. Showbiz, my older sister didn't get pulled up on the stage, but that my mom said she saw in my eyes that so I was like, what is this magical world? And it sort of stuck with me.
1: And then you, do you remember being up
2: on the stage? I do. I really do. Maybe that story's been told quite a lot, but I do remember six pretty clearly. I remember mm. that experience very clearly. Um, and I do remember just, you know, that thing of, and I've like, been on stage is a lot now, but that thing of it being a whole world on the stage. yes. And you sort of can't really, you, you know this obviously, you, you you stand up and you can't really engage faces too much to mm. there's so many lights. But I do remember very, very vividly the feeling of the room, that energy in the room. I actually, you know, for years, my whole life, I've always appreciated big spaces like state football stadiums or um, big theatres or concerts or whatever. I just love the energy of a group. And I think going back to the storytelling thing, you know, you can really, and I, I, man, I wish if I was one special skill I could have, it would be mm. to be a stand up. I think it's the uh, hardest thing in the world.
1: Uh, but,
2: you know, in the way that you've, you you know, have crafted these stories, that one room will really react to that entirely differently to another. Sure. Room. And you're there's a sort of sixth sense that you've picked up over the years of what that means and what works and what doesn't quite work. That is really fascinating to me, like group dynamics in that sense.
1: Totally regroup dynamics. And it's re- extremely bizarre because mm. it really, it also makes you be like, with it so many things, it's like you have to have a real sense of self because yeah. sometimes when people love you, it's maybe not, it's not the truth. And when people hate you, it's not the truth. You have to go, where am I in this equation? Because I can't believe the hype and I can't believe the worst critic there yeah. either.
2: And then for your work. Where, where am I being effective or, or ineffectual? Right. Like, where can I be more effective? What can I hone? And it, honestly, it'd be like 1% of a hone sometimes. Yes. And it can make the world of difference.
1: 1% of a hone is huge. Yeah. Even just like, like that 1% difference, like trying to, recently I've been trying to not be on my phone first thing in the morning. Mm. So
2: hard. It's so hard.
1: Oh, all I want to do is just reach for that <laughs> little, I just, it's like, I want to just check it so bad. Yeah. But I've been trying to make my 1% difference is just don't go on the phone first thing and try to do any something, anything yeah. like whatever I have to do to now, not get on that damn inspire phone. Now you me
2: because I've, I've tried that as well. It I is tried brutal. to charge my phone in the other room. Can't do it. I it's locked so
1: mine up in a little container once and then I couldn't remember the code and, then I, had, <laughs>
2: and then you had I had a, panic a breakdown. <laughs> I was like,
1: Oh no, I need to get that. I have to get that phone. When, when you were in the National Youth Music Theatre, yeah. So this is so you mentioned that I read that Adris Elba and um, Daniel Craig were also in it. Were they in at the same time? No, they're, they're both okay. a bit older than me. Okay, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. And then so it was. Were you singing in that as well?
2: I was. I I loved 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 musicals as a kid um and i'm honestly weirdly have never done one as an adult um but i it was my whole world i so i did there were two theater companies in the uk the national youth theater which was honestly like you know straight plays and very serious acting and then like really promiscuous kids Mm. (laughs) and then the national youth music theater where everyone was sort of even though we were sort of 17 18 late teenage years everyone was just a bit more sort of wonder awestruck. And um, it was a different vibe, but I I really wanted to be a, a classical actor. And so the, the National Youth Theatre was a path I really wanted to take, but I just really enjoyed doing the musicals um, and was in that company for, for several years. And it, it just, it changed my life. I'm really glad you asked about it because it's still one of those things that I look back on. And I've got very dear friends who I made at that time, two of the people who, I, who have been my closest friends my whole life. Um, Ben Barnes, wonderful actor, done great lots name. of movies. That's great a name. great name. Um, and he's a wonderful musician now as well. And Gugu and Barter Raw, another great name. Great name, name yeah. Um, very dear friends of mine. We met when we were 16, 17, and have been on this whole journey together, Have all moved to the States around the same time as well. And, um, and then, you know, I, I mentioned older people who are in the company, you're sort of in that company, you were very, very aware of actors who have then gone on to become- Of course, like, it's like a guiding light. Exactly. And so Jude Law was was oh one of God. those guiding lights. And he he is just such an incredible actor. And David Ayellowo, who is a, a very dear friend of mine and now my business partner, mm. David has been entirely a guiding light in as much as seeing what he's been able to achieve and him and his wife been able to achieve in their careers has been just amazing. But to know that we all came from the same place and all learned, sure. learned the same thing the same way was wonderful
1: have was it hard to connect with people that like weren't in the arts
2: oh i tell you that's a, it's so funny i was very much i grew up in south london it's like probably what's equivalent it's like uh, i don't know the bronx of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of 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 london and everyone i was around from you know from birth till 16 17 it was like people loved sport they liked soccer and and what have you and very sort of prototypical masculine things sure. that was kind of the world i grew up in i went to a boys school it was very rough oh damn very violent
1: my dad went to a boys school too it sounded brutal yeah
2: yeah this is it was like harry potter with none of the charm yeah. and no girls <laughs> yeah um but but when i found theater in my teenage years in in that company then because they would they would audition kids from all over the country and Very few would get in, but it was all of the most talented people I'd ever Mm. known. And everyone was there for the same reason. And so I feel like I found my people when I was sort of 16, 17. And um, not to say that the other people weren't my people, but this was definitely more more of the things I was just interested in.
1: Was it hard to date outside? Like, cause sometimes I feel like when you have like a big dream, trying to articulate that dream can be kind of when you articulate it, you know, then you're at risk of someone being like, I can't, how are you going to do that?
2: Oh Ugh. yeah. A hundred percent.
1: Which especially in dating when people, well not so much when you're younger, when you're younger and you present a dream, people are more like, Oh, you, you can do anything. We can you're in your twenties. Then start <laughs> people going, why are you still living with your mom? What do you mean? You're going to start a food truck or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. But when you were, when you were dating, when you were that age, if you were, was mm. it hard to like share your dream with people?
2: So. Growing up, going to a boys' school at this right. age, how did you even meet girls? Well, i I had the magic power because I was the only boy doing all of the plays and all of the oh, dance. And all of yes, the, with all the girls, and so right. the magic power being when I'm, I'm also I'm between two sisters. I have a younger brother as well, but I grew up between these two sisters who were and my and, you know very feminine energy in my home. Sure, and then went into dance and musical theatre and was just always around the girls. And I would always be the one having to do all the you know, the, the dances with all the girls because there right. were only, there's only me right. um, or very few boys, I should say. Um, but then people then,
1: need, more people need to join musical theater to get like, you know, they might think it's it, maybe there are some gay guys in it, but if, I'm sure. Yes, there are. But if you are a straight guy in it, Bing
2: for sure. And then I'm 15, 16 and my special power is I can speak to women or to girls very, very easily. Right. Most of my friends who are guys just absolutely couldn't. Um, I always wonder
1: why that is so hard. Yeah. It's nerves. You get nervous. It, you
2: do. And when you're in the theater a lot, you sort of, I think you just lose all of that. And, and people and women are much more comfortable around you as well, which mm. is a, a big deal at that age. So it was it was definitely helpful for many things. Then to answer your question more directly, you know, when you get into your 20s and you're, you're right, like this is a difficult thing to pursue Um, And there isn't much of a reference for success, actually, especially where I grew up. So, uh, you know, people see you on TV a couple of times here or there and it's like, oh, that was cool for a minute. Mm -hmm. But I think what I realized back in England was you could be on a big, big TV show. And when it was on, it was kind of cool. But the moment it finished, no one gave a shit. So. <laughs> that's harsh. I feel like it's,
1: I think in America, you get a little more mileage out of it's that. So
2: I, People talk to me about work I did 10 years ago here. Yeah, So it, I
1: mean, I think in in the States, like even if you do something once, then you know, people will be like, like it gets them I wonder why in London, they're so harsh about oh, it. They
2: just don't give a shit, I don't Damn. care. <laughs> yeah.
1: Maybe London and New York. That's the case yeah, where I they're think like, you're right. you know, all right, over it, what are you doing now? And you're like, Jesus
2: Christ, like, <laughs> give me a, break. Give just me a minute. Something. I'm trying. <laughs>
1: I don't always have time to go to the grocery store and even if I did, that's not actually where I would get the best cuts of meat. I'm gonna tell you about the place that I get my meats from and that is ButcherBox. They take the guesswork out of shopping and cooking with a great selection of fish, chicken, beef, and more. And their cuts of meat are way better than anything I would buy in the store. I love the value and convenience that ButcherBox offers. I always know that I've got fresh, delicious, humanely raised meat in my refrigerator because they deliver it right to my doorstep and they take all of the guesswork out of it for me. With ButcherBox, I can easily get top-quality meat and seafood that I trust. I can get 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, and wild-caught seafood delivered right to my apartment. I don't even have to mess with one of the store. Plus they have free shipping always. And because this is really important to me, with ButcherBox, all the meat is humanely raised. That means no antibiotics or added hormones. You can curate and customize what you want in each box. And if you're feeling uninspired in the kitchen, they have an entire catalog of delicious recipes to get you started. All I have to think about is what I want to watch on TV and ButcherBox does the rest for me when it comes to what I'm eating. Sign up at ButcherBox.com and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash AMA and use code AMA to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus get $20 off your first order.
0: When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. There was a quote
1: where you said, "If you grow up Nigerian outside of Nigeria, you still grow up Nigerian in some form." Was something you realized? Yeah, so yeah. Your parents kept that really intact.
2: They did, they did, not and it's funny. I have my dad moved to the UK. My parents, both my parents, obviously, um, but his brothers moved to the US, mm. and so I've got cousins here in the, in America. But we had a very, very similar life growing up, even though we were on different continents.
1: What's so, like a traditional Nigerian dish?
2: Oh, good question. I love this thing. Actually, during the pandemic, right there was this TikTok craze about a goosey soup. It's a particular Ooh. kind of soup. And loads of white people found it in 2020. Oh, that's sometimes not good. It's sometimes not good. In this case, it was excellent. Oh, did
1: they? What
2: did uh, like, they do to it? Well, first of all, they, they just so there's one restaurant in LA. I was living in LA at the time at the beginning of the pandemic. Did
1: they take away the flavor? <laughs> they
2: didn't. Because oh, they, <laughs> they went to the one Nigerian restaurant in LA and... I would go there, you know, once a month or something right. to get because just a, a feeling of home. Sure. I went. I turned up once, and there were maybe two hundred people lining up around the block. And I, I know the lady who runs a place called Veronica's Kitchen. Best Nigerian food in L.A. Oh, I'll go and check it out for please. sure. Please. And um, I asked her what's going on. And she said, "There's something with this TikTok? And I, um, but she was worked off of her feet. and right. But it meant that the world suddenly began to understand Nigerian food. And I, I was very proud of it at the time. That's great. Yeah,
1: that's great. Yeah, I'll absolutely check. I don't think I've ever gone to a Nigerian. I've been to, I used to go to Ethiopian restaurants all the time. Because I love, And my good friend in college was Ethiopian. So we would go in Boston so she could get like just a sense of the familiarity. And I love eating it with Ethiopian food. You eat it with your hands. Absolutely. Same as Nigerian. Oh, so I love that because I kind
0: of do that (laughs) anyway.
1: And uh, that was a place where it was like acceptable to do it. And I love doing that for sure. Okay. Here's our segment, Modern Masculinity. Okay. How has the concept of masculinity changed from when you were a kid to now?
2: I would say massively and much for the better. You know, it's funny 2016, in the world, but also in the film industry in particular, was a real reckoning and um, mm. Me Too happening, and um, you know I, that upbringing I told you about. Yes. you know, growing up in the theatre, there is a sense of equality. I think in the theatre that's that's sort of unmatched in other parts of society, um, and the way I grew up and sort of learned, I, I want to say feminism in a way, but the way I learned just basically to be a good human being um was very much informed by my my environment and that was Mm. a lot to do with theater but the film industry is very very different and there are lots of things that were permissive that were acceptable that you know it's an environment that's really hard for everyone to exist in because if you're inclined like i am it's it's uncomfortable but you know it's it's sort of incentivized to not be spoken about the fact that that's not the case now is infinitely for the better, in my opinion. Um, And especially on TV and film sets, because it's a very tricky environment sometimes.
1: It is a tricky environment too, because things are moving so quickly. There's Mm. a lot of pressure and there's a lot of fear, Mm -hmm. which really breeds for people to take advantage. I agree. And that could be mirrored in like office settings and so many others. It's any settings where it's like, oh my God, if I shake the boat, the consequences are huge Uh and I'm scared. Mm -hmm. And then that's right where, you know, the freaking devil pops up <laughs> and then so you know and yeah. it's so scary yeah i can't believe that was 2016 i
2: know i know and and it's it is a different world from from that time and of course there is still so much work to be done but i do feel as though there's a there's been movement forward i tell you this is a weird sort of story to, to tell because it's not quite link, like Please, connected yeah, but thanksgiving 2016 there was this sort of burgeoning movement in native american circles um around protecting the land and there was this oil pipeline being built it feels like a million years ago now your yes. pipeline was being built through, oh my the, through God. the Dakota's the, the Dakota Access pipeline yeah there
1: was huge and
2: i was watching on my i was working in atlanta georgia watching on my phone as like old native women were being hosed down by police and i i felt to myself i if if there's a way for me to get there and to be there i need to go i need to just just lend my support be there i've i've since moving to the us 15 years ago i've constantly been uh, aware of and in circles with and wanting to learn more about Native American culture and the history. Because I feel as though if we're going to work through certain social things and social ills, we need to look at the original one here Absolutely. in the U.S.
1: Absolutely. And that also makes sense from a storytelling standpoint, too, mm. like the incredible stories that are, I mean, so underrepresented. So
2: true. So, so true. And so I went to, to North Dakota. I spent some time at the, at the camp there and I – when you get to um, to the reservation, you have to do an orientation. If if, it, if it's your first time there, you have to do an orientation.
1: And was that just because so many people were coming to help? So
2: many people. So they're
1: like, we just want to let you guys know what's going on. hundred okay. and, and nice. percent. It's really,
2: an and, and it's great. Love an orientation. And it's sort of very indicative in my experience of, of Native American culture of everyone's welcome, but there are certain things here that you need to know. Yes. Um. And there were a few things said, a couple of things that were very poignant. First one was, um, look, we don't need your solutions this is native elder leadership mm. um maybe your solutions were the things that got us here in the first place so lend your <laughs> totally. lend your hands but we don't need your, right. your ideas that's so freaking fric- that so
1: refreshing like thank you for letting me know the like it, let me know where you stand exactly
2: and the thing the thing that really that was said that really stuck with me forever in relation to your question was we appreciate you being here and the fact that you're here means you're privileged enough to be to do so to take time out to f- mm-hmm. travel from around the world in some cases um but the fact is, if you're not going to use your privilege to benefit other people, then why do you have it in the first place? And you know that's that was I've just moulded on that a lot. You know, I'm I, I walk through the world in a certain way. I'm, I'm privileged in that I'm an actor and I get to do the work I love to do. In being a man, good looking. I, well, thanks, I appreciate it. Yeah, good looking privilege—that's definitely it, it, a thing definitely for sure. Thing. But the fact the fact is, I I think you can spend a lot of time thinking about the ways in which the the world doesn't see you or accept you. Yes. Um, and you know, walking, you know, I live in America, I'm a black man, that, that comes with it's you know, certain baggage and things, but I had to be really focused on what my privileges are and, and be able to use those to, to benefit right. others. So all of that's to say, um, because I had that awareness around the same sort of time and I was beginning to sort of wanting to practice what I preach. It meant that I, I've i been more able since then um, mm. to to think about the ways in which my privilege as a man can benefit the scope of masculinity in general. Yes.
1: It's so amazing, too, to think about one orientation can plant those seeds, mm-hmm. to have such lasting change and mm-hmm. such uh, like a foundation for being helpful. And it's like, how hard would it be for us to do a few like for just there to be more orientations mm, you know mm. and what's so key to is like they're leading it you need the, the people leading it that are the ones be that are the most affected for by sure, it too for sure. but it's like i mean i'd love an orientation before i go in anywhere <laughs> yeah. just give me the 411 <laughs> exactly. you know and if it's like with an individual person maybe i wouldn't agree with it but at least i'd be like yeah good yeah. to know yeah get like, it out there th-
2: like dating orientation <laughs> yes
1: absolutely i also can't believe that that was 2016 when that was happening because yeah it feels like like I forgot about it. Mm. And I remember mm. being, which is that, is, I remember like following it and being invested. I didn't do anything. I'm gonna hold myself accountable there. But I remember being invested and then that's so scary to think just so much info that we're always getting to then mm. be like, how could I forget about that traumatic thing? Mm. When did you become aware of gender as a concept? When do kids start acting differently towards one another based on gender?
2: I think that the answer that to that must be very, very young um uh, actually look, you'd
1: be surprised sometimes people are like I, d- I don't know if i ever got it right,
2: right. yeah that's that's interesting I, I i've got to give the theater credit in my life at least sure again because like i said before like being in a rehearsal room being in that space it is quite and look, look, look there's bad behavior everywhere of course there is but it is quite democratic right um just the thought that everyone's ideas are equally valuable in mm. that space um you know you got. You. you then you oh grow my up, God, that's it? huge! It's a massive thing. You grow it's up and huge. you become an actor, and you move to America, and you're working in Hollywood or whatever. Right. And, um, suddenly, it's more about being a star, and and the 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 weight of that on a set is very, very outweighed, in my opinion. You get treated ri- like ridiculously differently. Absolutely. Being, being in the positions that you know some of, some of us get to hold, but it's it's not based on anything real. Right. Um. And so for me, being in that more democratic space, that space of all, all all ideas are good ideas the best idea wins kind of vibe mm. means that you just come you just you just comport yourself differently You're just different
1: also you see what it's like playing around with expression too so You're right. like wait a minute that guy's playing a quote unquote girl and that girl's playing 100%. a what is going on doing,
2: I, you know i was that was my life from the age of sort of 8, eight 9 10 right. years old um, and it was never it was never that's wrong or that's bad mm. it was just this is this is us expressing ourselves and um you know the, the sort of the the chips land where they will, as far as your life is concerned. Now, I think for that, for me, that means that I was always aware of, I'm gonna put it this way, like justice. Like when things were unjust, Mm. I I just didn't like them.
1: Not to be an asshat, but what's your zodiac sign?
2: I'm a Pisces.
1: Pisces. Uh, I'm a Sagittarius, but we're supposed to be really into justice too. I don't know okay. if that's true for, that's like one of the things where they're like,
2: oh, I see. where they're
1: like, you know, you're like, get, I, like, I get obsessed with fairness.
2: My older sister is a Sagittarius and mm. she's exactly the same. I'll be like, Maybe hey, I just that's learned not, it from her actually. I'll be
1: like, that's not fair. That's not fair. Yeah. And things aren't fair. Mm. And I, But also I know sometimes I get more upset if something's not fair for like me or one of my friends and mm. then if it, Slants in my favor when it's not fair. I'm like, ah, it's not that. <laughs> you know, we're all just people. Right. But so yeah. you're obsessed with justice, and, and,
2: and that means that I, I think I've been less tolerant, I guess, mm. of, of bad behavior when it when it comes across. You know, to gender lines. Um, if I see certain things, it's just it, it, and it it just comes up in me. I just can't sort of help it. But as far as gender itself, I think I've been very, very fortunate to to. Grow up in the world that I've grown up in, and the way that I've, I've grown up, in. and and those things mean that I can use my voice and use my privilege sure. to, to 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 sort of support others. I guess it's huge. Mm.
1: Sounds like everybody needs to take a theater class. I, I would <laughs> recommend it. <laughs> I really know. would. <laughs> Did it kill you when you were going, when you had to take computer business computer science for
2: three years? Because he <laughs> he
1: actually got a degree in. Computer, business science, business, yeah. computer science. So I don't know which one of them comes first.
2: Yeah, it doesn't really matter.
1: Computer science, of business. That's right. This, um, you can obviously tell I don't know much about business. The <laughs> uh, computer business. And
2: by the way, I, that, that, was part of, that was part of the course of being a Nigerian kid.
1: You had to go to business, computer, business class. I had to class. go to
2: university. I had to do a proper quote unquote degree. And that was my sort of, that was payment to my parents for for, first of all for being alive I guess and then secondly for everything they've done to support me that's a trade-off but I because I knew I wanted to be an actor so young and actually man it was it was traumatic at a point but I sort of knew I was fighting a losing battle because Mm. so I, I auditioned for drama schools figuring that if I got in and got a scholarship they would much rather me go and get a free education, sure. even if it was in theater, as opposed to me paying to do to a degree. go to
1: business, computer, business class, I, exactly, school, yeah.
2: Exactly, but they were not for that at all, and so Damn. I still had to go and get a loan, go to university. Um, for three years? For three years. How
1: did you, like, persevere? through? Were you just in hell?
2: I wasn't, because the company that you spoke of earlier, the National Youth Music Theater, it was, I did it all the way through university.
1: Oh, great, okay, so thank I God.
2: Was, I would literally go from lectures to the West End great. and perform, and then would go on a tour in the summer, and was always constantly being able to be proactive and creative. Okay,
1: good. You had a you had an emotional out because when did. I was reading that you were knew you wanted to be an actor and then had to go to business business of computer business school, I was <laughs> like, oh god, yeah. of all that—that's like the opposite of that. I, I
2: sort of feel like at the time I felt like I didn't have a choice. Clearly, sure. I did, but I, it wasn't an option for me.
1: I get it. Our parents have a very strong hold. They definitely do. What's your most feminine trait that you like about yourself?
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the most feminine trait that i like about myself it's 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 funny like it's weird that me saying softness or sensitivity Mm. is a feminine trait because it it, it is something i like about myself oh my god that's
1: such a my that's my girlfriend says that for her about that's one of her traits that she likes about herself too mm. and i think it takes so much strength to have softness and
2: and it and it takes vulnerability Mm -hmm. here's here's a story that my friend Ben Barnes, who I mentioned before, will Ed like be telling, but Ben Ben Barnes has been a close friend of mine since we were teenagers, and his mother is one of the sort of world leading sexual and relationship therapist. Oh, wow. So the, the show, if you've seen it, Sex Education on Netflix. That,
1: I've just been hearing people
2: talk about it. And I want to watch that it. That was basically my friend Ben's life mm. because his mother was a sexual therapist. Oh, and, my God. And so it means that, it meant that when we were young, she, you know, we'd be having dinner around his house and she would ask questions about sex. And he'd be like, Mom, don't ask these questions. But it was so useful to me because it was very liberating first and foremost to be able to talk about that with a grown-up. Yes. Um, and secondly, I got basically the best advice and support and free therapy throughout my 20s and um in a relationship I was having at the time I remember it coming up that I was maybe too sensitive or 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 or, or me I guess internalizing that as I wasn't manly enough Mm. um and Ben's mum wonderful Trisha she said to me at the time that the biggest thing that she comes across in her work is if men were more sensitive it would save more marriages and never let anyone tell you that your sensitivity is is a bad thing. And so I've, I I think I sort of have taken that on board from a very early age. And I was very grateful to Trisha Barnes for that advice. And um, so it's it's not really been a factor for me in my adult life.
1: That's so um, great to have someone intervene with your young like that to say that. yeah, Because sensitivity needs to be guarded. Mm. Because also to be sensitive, but still aware and operating in this world and not, and just like putting yourself out there, but saying I'm gonna preserve my sensitivity in the face of this shit. Mm. That's very, you know, that, I think that's like, that's one of my favorite things about my girlfriend is that she is able to preserve a sensitivity.
2: Yeah, and, and, and you know, when you get to being a grown-up, then it's mm. vulnerability that the, that the world just does not value. But it's really, really important to be vulnerable. You know, in the right sense, you can't be walking around like an exposed nerve, of course. Absolutely, of but, course, of course. <laughs> but it is, I think, important, and it's honestly one of the most important traits, I think, in my work as well, to be open and to be vulnerable and to, yes. to be just sort of, yes ending as much as you possibly can and not throwing up barriers. It's just not helpful.
1: Also with sensitivity, I think being sensitive allows you to be a better listener. Yeah. And that's big in acting.
2: It really is. It's, that, it's for my,
1: my like minuscule, I took my acting classes where I was just hanging on by a thread. Yeah, Hanging on by a thread with the acting
2: yeah. classes. <laughs> so I bet you were excellent.
1: It's very
2: hard. Well, what you do is impossible to me, so...
1: I'll tell you a secret with the stand-up you, you say the same thing all the time so you practice that it make not that it makes it easier but it's you know
2: that's, uh, okay that's similar similar to doing a play I you guess. say
1: the same thing a lot yeah. and then you'll see you'll notice people go and they go oh this just happened never happened didn't just happen never gonna happen but you're just saying <laughs> it to make it seem like it came up off the top of your right. head I love that We have a, a listener email. Thank you so much for your emails right into AMA at fetches.com for our segment. Why to men? Dear Emma and man, I'm calling to ask a question for you guys because I feel like this podcast is so candid. I want to know realistically from a guy what he expects in the bedroom. <laughs> I have a long term boyfriend, but I just want to know if guys prefer when someone is really active during sex or do they feel like that's too much and would rather we let them take the lead. Do they want equal participation? Do they want us to just lay there like a corpse? <laughs> what exactly are oh. you guys looking for? Ooh,
2: bless that question.
1: Yeah, bless that question.
2: I I, I feel it. Um, I and by no means uh, an expert in this, and you know, caveat, take take this or leave it. Yes. I just think, for me at least, openness is important. Yes. I think it's very easy to be guarded and to be you know, concerned about your body or have you. I think if you've got into a position where you're, hopefully if you've got into a position where you're willing to be naked with someone, mm. you can sort of let some of that go and just be in the moment and be open um, and let the, let the guards down in that moment, I would say.
1: I think that's a great answer too, because it's like, well said. Mm-hmm. It's like fo- it's a following it like a dance because sometimes when it's like, okay, I need to play this role and this person needs to play this role. I understand that too. I mean, I would say like in my relationship, it usually falls into, I mean, there's so many different ways to do it. Because it's like, well, I would say for me personally, the laying there like a corpse I would err on the side of not that unless you're role playing something where you are a corpse <laughs> and it's pre done out beforehand. Right, right, right. Well, role, role playing something you're a corpse isn't the craziest thing because there was this porn I used to watch. It's called um, it's called free use. Imagine I said corpse porn, which would be
2: fine too. <laughs> which which be would be fine, fine too. There's no judgment. It,
1: it's consenting adults, but um, called free use where it would be like like you're walking around and then you go bing and then someone's frozen and then you can just kind of do what you want to them.
2: Okay, like sexy musical statues.
1: that would have been a much, yes, exactly. That's what, sexy musical statues. So that can be like a not a, I don't even know if it's like a kink or placidity or something where it can be like, hey, I just want you to lay there and that's one thing. But if that's not Uh pre-discussed, then I would say any type of any, uh, you know, presence and being in the moment then helps like the tempo of it. So I would say be as, it's more of a question of like, if, if someone, does the person want you to be like more dominant, more submissive or lead more or not like, and that's really like an individual you and the partner thing, you okay. know, because like I wouldn't my girlfriend and I do this like thing like we're both not into us sexual position wise is more it's me on top. And I'll wear like a strap on or something. But if we if I'm with someone that said, no, I want to like ride you all the time, I'd go, it's just not for me. Uh-huh. So about once a year we do a yearly riding and then that's it. <laughs> so i was saying if all of a sudden she started saying hey i'm gonna do this then i would be like whoa that's so that's not what we do I go, ah, it's, uh, <laughs> and so we do it once a year maybe even every two it's fine you know but also i can get into anything if the person is into it like so right. if, if someone was super into that actually then i could get really into it actually
2: it's it's funny i was going to also add that it also depends if you're just new to someone or if it's just a one night thing as opposed to a long-term relationship thing. Totally. Because then it, of course, I think, you know, variety is important and it is the spice of of life in that regard.
1: That's true. And I think that's so true. And I think like any type of, if you are in, you know, I would say what men expect, I'm going to, I'm going to like kindly and warmly encourage to actually think of it. Think like, what are you expecting? What do you want? Because just us talking about it is like helping me see like, I think the more you know what you want in the equation and what makes you feel comfortable, I think for a good sexual partner that will reverberate to them
2: that's entirely that's a brilliant answer you that's know what actually I'm saying? how I feel in the moment of it as well. like I, I want just thought to, of it. I want that person to be experiencing pleasure in the right. way that they want to experience pleasure, yes,
1: yeah. and then you because that helps the dance, yeah, so I think like that where it's like. If you, the more you know what you expect, it makes you feel good, as corny as it might sound, I really do think it's the truth, then you'll be bringing that into the bedroom and he can work around that. Now, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that means, and that doesn't mean, like my girlfriend's very comfortable in what she she wants in the bedroom and that's to be like in a more submissive role. Mm -hmm. So then it doesn't mean knowing what you want then means you're like running the show, but Everybody's running the show. Yeah. Everybody's running the yeah. show. Um, but I think that I would say you, the more, the more you're into it, that's going to reverberate. And there, that's the, that's what you should expect to go in and, and have a good time for you and then take care of them too, as a dance with each other. But you gotta, what is it? You put your mask on first or something. <laughs>
2: yeah. I don't
1: know if that makes it sound like, I, I, but I don't mean that in like a selfish way, no. but it's like, you know just if you say what does he expect you know put him on ice for a second i agree I what
2: agree. do
1: you expect what do you want and then when you go in and then like you with the open mind then it allows for the dance yeah
2: and and then i think actually as you go along that road of being more focused in that regard mm. then i think you can also be Open to, yes. to being demanding of what it is that you require. Right. Um, that's hard, kind of harder. It sounds like that's kind of the beginning of a situation. Yeah, Kind of harder at the beginning. But as you go along, I think don't be afraid to, to ask for what it is that you need.
1: Yes. And and be like, be like, you know, I'm, or even if you're like, I don't know exactly what I want in the bedroom. Be like, Let's like kind of try to figure it out together. You know, watching porn together, that's a tough one. Because I don't feel like, I feel like porn is so removed from anything that really would bring up sexual ideas. Uh-huh. But maybe... Maybe, maybe, or try the corpse thing I just laid out. <laughs> try the corpse thing. I'm gonna work on being more open. I shouldn't be so rigid, I'm like, oh, we do a yearly writing. I'm gonna be more open, say, so, well, you know, so. I'm
2: excited for you. Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> thank you.
1: Now we have a segment, Ask GK Anything. This is a part of the show where we're gonna get a little in, deeper inside the male mind with some specific questions from my guests. Please. Okay, how did your relationship with your father impact your idea of masculinity?
2: Um. It, it probably was the, the, the bedrock of my mm. idea because my, so my dad sadly passed away when I was 24, but he, and he had kids later in his life. So I benefited. At the time, it felt like an encumbrance. It felt like, oh, I wish my dad could come and watch me play soccer like the other dads. But what it meant now looking back 18 years past is that I was so grateful that he was present, that he was mm. always there. Um, and that's a big deal. Uh, it's a really big deal knowing, you know, how our, how our friends or just knowing, you know, how difficult it is to be a parent in general. And you've got to be the breadwinner. You've got to go out there and do things as a, as a parent, mother or father. And to have a, a father who was present, who was just always there, maybe not full of, um, like, words of advice necessarily, but certainly always there with a listening ear. Mm. That's something I really miss. In, in in, And I'm really grateful and lucky to have my mum. But... Having that space, and especially as a young boy growing up, to have that from a from a man was very, very important. You felt me. heard. I did. I definitely did. And and it also reverberates throughout my life. Like, I haven't had a conversation with my dad in 18 years. Right. But there are still things that I remember specifically about his presence and his words and his love for us all. I'm one of four siblings. And so it was different for each of us, I'm sure. Um, and there's a big age range in the four of us, but it was for me, very, very important to have his presence more than anything else.
1: Feeling heard is so paramount, mm. because I, I didn't realize it until I've been in therapy this past year, like how huge, like not feeling, the impact of not feeling heard can be, and then mm. the, the ways a lot of time they can be destructive, maybe some positive where you try to feel heard, mm-hmm. but feeling heard is is such a monumental thing. It is. It you is. feel seen and recognized. It, and if
2: you get that foundationally, then it, mm-hmm. I think it helps you as you move through life.
1: Absolutely. Mm. From an actor's perspective, is there any difference in the experience of being directed by a man or a woman?
2: <laughs> I, there is, I, I was just talking with a friend about not from an actor's perspective, but I was talking to a friend about uh, world leaders recently, mm. just yesterday, actually. And the fact that it's just proven, isn't it? I'm not pandering. I really am not, but it's just proven that women do that job better. Mm. Um, that they're, that they're able to, they're, they're more effective leaders. I was working La Brea, the, the show that, that's on, uh, that you might see tomorrow. Hell yeah. Um, but we shoot that in Australia, and I was very fortunate in the second second and third season to be able to travel a bit more. The first season was pandemic, couldn't move anywhere. But I went to New Zealand, and I've always loved the idea of New Zealand, and it's beautiful. And Jacinda Ardern, who was the Prime the prime Minister of New Zealand at the time, she was just such an effective leader. She's, mm. in, she's like 40 years old. She was very young doing oh. it. And when the time came for her to step down, she just did it. She just left. She was just like, peaced out. And, <laughs> then, like, and then she got married. Like she, right. like, she was the first world leader to have a child while in office, I think. And then when she was done, she was done and just got married and has a normal life now, I imagine. Like, that's just so antithetical to maleness. Totally. Like, men hold on to the bitter end in leadership and they, they they're just not as malleable. And I can say... In the times that I've spent on sets or in the theatre with female directors, that is also true. Mm. It's not to say it's just better for me in the way that I like to learn and the way that I like to do my job. It's more sort of all-encompassing. It's more like a family than mm. than like a dictatorship.
1: More malle- malleable is a really great word. Yeah, I wonder if it's different too with like American men or. I had this British guy who was directing me once, and he was so keen and sensitive with like how he would phrase things okay yeah and i loved i loved that um but that is so interesting that she was 40 and then just yet to just leave that is like a really novel concept it really is of someone with power because usually i think of it then they're like a power and then they're like trying to i don't even know what have a daytime talk show and start a book i don't even know what you they're trying to do not go away that's for sure
2: that's for sure
1: you avoid having a first date on valentine's day what's a good way to ask someone out on that day without putting any pressure on the situation
2: i'm quite spontaneous i like mm. being like hey let's go to mexico city on our second date or hell whatever. yeah so so yeah i'd I, I do it i don't necessarily advise it but i think I also would. too
1: if someone says hey listen you're free on valentine's day i'm free on valentine's day we can do a no pressure valentine's day yeah
2: i'm not sure if i've ever done that me neither um but i certainly am open to it
1: What's the manliest thing you've ever done? How proud of it are you?
2: <laughs> oh, gosh. I have such a dear, lovely friend called Chris in L.A. He, I, I used to rent my friend Chris and Renee's um, like guest house at the mm-hmm. back of the house. One day, Chris was making, with his bare hands, a Murphy bed. Damn. And um, he prepared it. It was so, like the precision in it. And all of a sudden, I heard this giant crash, bang, wallop. And the bed fell and smashed into... Literally a million pieces. And he just sat out back with his head in his hands and was just mortified. And I was like, come on, man, we're going to do this. And we went to Home Depot and just the two of us with our shirts off, just building this bed. You just ripped your was, shirt I just, off. I didn't need to. Yeah, it, was, it, it was cold ah. out. <laughs> I'm not all that handsy, but it was like working with your hands right. and doing. And we, we rebuilt it in like a couple of hours. And it was just such a, I felt like such an achievement, like a yes. manly achievement for doing it.
1: Yes, you conquered it. We did. What do you have in your
2: fridge right now? I have some Parmesan cheese. Great cheese. Um, I have some pineapple that I bought last night. Love pineapple. And I have some wilted salad lettuce that I just can't bring myself to throw away. I always buy salad with the intention of eating it. And I must have wasted like hundreds, Hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of salad.
1: The amount of wilted lettuce in refrigerators, because... It's just not happening. No. But it's the lie. It's the lie. Everyone wants to keep the narrative going that they're going to have a salad tomorrow. You've
2: got to do it the second you get back from the store, otherwise it's not happening.
1: Eat it in the car on the way home (laughs) and just cry to get that down. Mouth
2: handfuls of lettuce.
1: Would it be a relationship deal breaker if you really dislike the friends of someone you were newly dating?
2: Uh, I don't think so. I don't think there are any deal breakers at at this sort of stage of my development as a human. Um, (laughs) But I do think obviously who we hang around reflects on us i think more the opposite would be more true like it would definitely like be impressed upon me if the person had very high value wonderful people around Mm. them i i don't think i'm not judgmental enough to to care about if they were terrible people
1: that's a good way to look at it actually to say i'm gonna have it be more neutral if it's a negative and Mm. then if it's a positive then that's like a nice bonus yeah exactly What's the most embarrassing thing you've ever done in front of someone you were trying to impress?
2: (laughs) Oh, I don't know why my mind went (laughs) here straight away. Thankfully, this, the first thing that came to my mind didn't happen directly in front of the person who I was trying to impress. That helps. But it was something that I'm still so grateful for that it didn't go the way it could have done. Uh, In fact, do you know what? This is funny. It it wasn't Valentine's Day, but it was definitely a first date in a really lovely restaurant in London. I was in my 20s. Bless her, I can still see her face. We had a beautiful date and it was a really highly recommended restaurant. And um, I walked her home and was being very much a gentleman and we stood at her door and she asked me if I wanted to come in. And I was like, you know what? It was such a great first date. We, we'll, we'll do this again next mm-hmm. time. I went home and had the most explosive food poisoning symptoms that I've ever experienced in my life, and was literally curled up in a ball on the floor, curled up in a ball on the floor, crying for my mother. Oh, food and, poisoning's brutal. And I was so grateful after that all passed that I didn't go into her home oh, and experience God. the both ends that I did. In her bathroom, it would have been just soul just soul destroying. It would have been awful.
1: That was some. That was the universe
2: looking out for you. It really was. I I feel like in a weird inverse way, I was being rewarded for being a gentleman. Yes. Um. Somehow.
1: Somehow. Somehow. <laughs> you still got the food poisoning, but somehow, but somehow absolutely. Oh, it
2: Could have been so much worse.
1: Did you see her again?
2: I did, and I don't know if I told her that immediately. Right. <laughs> but um, I probably did tell her later on. Yeah,
1: because having a food poisoning on a first date would probably be the absolute worst time to have food poisoning yeah, I think
2: I asked her the next day like "Are you You're okay?" Feel? yeah exactly and she was like oh I'm great but we had good. different dishes I had the duck I don't know how I got food poisoning from the duck
1: I got food poisoning once from a vegan Indian restaurant and it was the same day I actually had this big audition at a comedy club and I remember throwing up on my way there oh. and throwing up on my way back and I remember when I got out of an Uber looking like shit this comic was like hey are you good and, and I was like yeah I'm auditioning here tonight and then I was like actually I feel kinda... and then I like ran and went in a corner and got sick and he was like ah oh, man nerves <laughs> And I was like, no, 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 no. no, no. no, no. This That's is the vegan truck. There. Yeah, this is this is so much more than
2: that. <laughs>
1: this is our final segment called Who, What, Where, When, How. Okay. Okay. Who do men most want approval from? Their mothers. Mm, I actually feel that for me. Yeah? Yeah, definitely. I always want my approval. But also, I wonder if this, I know for me, my mom is not, she's not free-given of
2: approval. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So that
1: makes me covet it.
2: Yeah, I think I was the same slightly in that we we had this sort of thing as a, as kids me and my siblings that it would, it would take so much to impress so much my, my mother and what look she sort of she has sort of become more like like you know like that in her older age but I'd be as a kid be like mom I'm going to come home with an oscar one day and be like mom I want an oscar and you would be like oh that's nice
1: right exactly um, but-
2: yeah she's like okay where are you gonna put it do you have a
1: shelf in your or did you forget to get a shelf and you're like (laughs) what yeah I definitely I know to impress my mom though one thing that would be so impressive to her that I don't do is she's like I I don't recycle 100% of the time Mm -hmm. I recycle but Mm -hmm. it's not like I don't have it it's like a little haphazardly. And I know if I said, mom, I'm recycling all day, every day. If I see someone not recycling, I say something, she would be so impressed. Oh, I love that. But then I'm not doing that.
2: <laughs> the one thing you can do.
1: So easy to do. She'd be like, I'm so proud. of
2: you." Well, it's funny. I, I was back home for Christmas and um, I have, thankfully i'm very grateful for it a couple of awards along the way but i was like very in that same vein wanted to my mum to have them yes. and i live in the states she lives in the uk and i got back and she would rearranged the living room and i was like Mum, where's where's that award she's like oh um well you can take it if you want <laughs> i didn't take it i'd actually need to bring it back to america Say, with me. Because... That, that's gonna fuel me to get all the other awards <laughs> exactly what do men do to release pent-up emotions i don't know about what men do necessarily probably lots of things but i i certainly you know what, i had this conversation yesterday as well i wish i was the sort of person who would be like i'm gonna go and run to-
1: oh my god don't we all wish that I could wish you imagine
2: I and I, when i see people running and it's 23 degrees out i'm like what
1: the fuck are you doing totally
2: go away 100 i live, 100%. I live in, in brooklyn and it's like oh it's just it's sort of ruined i like to go for a walk in the morning but yeah you
1: go you're fucking up my day
2: you're just ruining it for yes. me yes
1: I don't, I feel that too with, if I'm like, maybe if I'm exercising a lot, I don't have that. No, I always do. Whenever I see runners, I'm like, you little motherfucker. (laughs) Come on. Just out there in your thoughts, plotting along, getting dopamine. It really, if you're running and listening to this, good
2: for you. Good for you. Good for you. If you're running at like Olympic marathon pace in Prospect Park, fuck off.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Then we're not not into it. (laughs) Know how you're making other people feel. Okay.
2: Be thoughtful. Come on.
1: Where do men want to spend their day
2: off? Um, you know I like working mm. I really do I really enjoy my job um, I wouldn't have days off if I could help it mm. but I do I think I've latterly learned to enjoy um, like an actual vacation um, not, it's not a day off I know but I, I, whenever, I was, whenever I would travel before it'd be for work and I'd be sort of traveling for sport almost yes. but now I, I tend to relax a bit more it's nice to be by a pool or a beach or something
1: I think it shows like more comfort in where you're at in life sometimes when you can take a break
2: yeah yeah, I think that's true.
1: When do men start practicing self-care?
2: For me, it was, you know, uh, so I lived in LA for 10 years. Mm. I had nothing against LA. I actually really like LA. and I, I like and I, it too. I enjoy being there more now than I did when I was there there. Um, but when you live in New York and you go to LA, it's like, I don't know, it's like, a, you can just sort of peek into a dream world for, mm-hmm. a, for, a, for a little while. Um, and New York feels real. Yeah, uh, But LA, I feel, Feel as though I needed more self care, sort of techniques.
1: Oh, in LA, more so than in New York. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And maybe because I I practiced them, right? Uh, being in nature, you know, going for hikes or, or or have you? Then I think I've sort of allowed that to become part of my more more of my routine. Um, but I, I actually I do need to be near green spaces if I can. I love Manhattan, but I I couldn't live in in Manhattan. Right. Um, I'm I'm I enjoy being in Brooklyn. I'm, I'm I'm near a park. It's sort of maybe it's a bit more how I grew up in the UK as well, but. It's, it's nice to, um, to be able to spend some time outside. And honestly, the biggest thing is not thinking about yourself all the time. Totally. Yeah.
1: That's what they say. And like, that's like a, a hallmark of support groups. So they would be like, you know, whenever you're in your head too much, turn it over, help someone else. Yeah. And at first, it can be like, "What?" Yeah, but then it's the second you do that, it really does make you feel better. I
2: definitely learned that in LA as well. It's because it's so easy to be all about yourself. Totally, and you're there and you'll do it. You're there for a reason. Everyone's there right. for the same reason, pretty much. But it's it was taking moments to really think about how I can be in the community, be supporting yes. other people, be be there for friends. Um, and I sort of I think I became a more effective activist living in LA mm. because I had that out outlook of. And that's when, you know when I went to 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 North Dakota to to um, Standing Rock, it's doing things like that were very very helpful for me.
1: That's like that's like a final not not that I know the levels in therapy, but that's like I feel like a big one that my therapist mm. put on. She was like, okay, then if you're like that stuck in yourself now, I think it's time for you to volunteer yeah. or do something. And yeah, I said, and It's,
2: you know, it's mm. easy to forget it though, but it's it's certainly looking back, I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity.
1: Yes, and do even like doing little acts of service. Like I'm gonna clean this like mold or whatever you're yeah. doing, like little. Little things, then you're like, okay, I feel Don't better. Don't
2: live around mold. It's very bad.
1: Don't live around mold. True. <laughs> How do men talk to other men about their love life?
2: I love these questions. That's <laughs> I, I'm really very fortunate that I have friends who I sort of grew up with who are very, I guess we've been on the journey together. Mm. And we are quite similar in our outlooks. And so I definitely have more um, emotionally eloquent conversations with men now than I did when I was twenty five sure. or what have you. Um, I often tell my male friends that I love them. I often I love that. Yeah, I think it's important, and it doesn't feel performative. It's just mm. like a really important part of how I interact with my with my close male friends. Um, but I I think I've manage to just, it depends. I, I, there are certain male friends I wouldn't talk to about emotional things um, because it's not what our friendships are for. Right. But I, I'm really grateful for for two or three I'm thinking of that we can be entirely open about the experiences we're having, what we're going through. Right. Um, so yeah, lean on your support. Lean on the people around you. It's so important.
1: Thank you so much for being here and where can people find you online? If uh, you do that, where do. can people I, find I, you? I,
2: I sort of do. So on Instagram, I'm Chike underscore Um Twitter, or X, Chike uh, Ayakonkwo. They're kind of the two I use. Actually, I, I, I'm starting to really, really want to like TikTok, but I haven't quite gotten there yet.
1: You know, I, I, if you have persisted this long without it, yeah. the best case scenario is you're just going to have something that kind of is entertaining for a bunch of hours. But I can't, it's not like... It's not like you see people out in the. I don't know if it actually enhances your life at all. Look, I love it. Like I go, this is my happy time. Scroll, 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 yeah, scroll, yeah, yeah. scroll. Can't remember one thing I saw on it. Right. You know what I mean. Yeah. And it's a lot coming at your brain. Like my my algorithm now is hip stretching videos, mini pancakes, and tracking down and persecuting pedophiles.
2: <laughs> That's very specific. Wild. These I love are th- it.
1: three things that shouldn't even be mixed. You're like in.
2: A flexible vigilante.
1: Right. Exactly. It's <laughs> it's too many. It's a lot of. Th- it's just a lot for your brain. So. Yeah. If you haven't, if you haven't like opened that door humbly, I would say, you know, God bless. And then there's better things you can do with your brain. I'm taking
2: that advice. Thank you. So just Instagram and Twitter.
1: Thank you everyone for listening to Ask Men Anything. Please DM me at Emma Willman on Instagram. Email your questions to ama at betches.com for our next guest or leave us a voicemail at 201-754-8351. I'll talk to you next week when we ask men anything. Ask Men Anything is produced by Sean Kilby and Rebecca Steinberg. Editing by Jazz Zapatos, Rebecca Steinberg, and Shannon Sasson. Guest booking by Anna Zagzag. Send your emails to ama at betches.com. Betches.